We are so uh, thrilled to that Wendy, you are here with us this afternoon and this evening and tomorrow, and you brought your wonderful team with you, and these guys will be coming and praying and ministering to us. Um, one of the reasons that, we, that we're here, and, and actually we spoke to Wendy some time ago, is because we believe that, one, there's a real anointing on Wendy to, to have breakthrough, you know, to bring breakthrough for people who have been caught up in things, and life happens, doesn't it, sometimes, and sort of things happen to us and we get caught up, but actually sometimes we just need God to come and break through and to bring healing and to bring freedom. And Wendy, God's put that anointing on you, and we love you, and you're an amazing woman of God, and we're so glad that you're here with us, and we're really grateful for you to take the time out and to come and preach freedom. So, can you give Wendy an amazing round of applause? Thank you so much um, for having me and the team. It's uh, such a privilege to be with you guys and be in London. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's lovely to be here. Just before I, before I get going, I've, I've brought a few resources with me, um, which I, I, someone, I don't remember, was it you asked me if I got a new book yet? Because these have been out for a while, which I thought was quite rude, actually. Um, <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking. <laughs> I am, I am working on a new book, but it takes time, all right? So, but in case you haven't seen them yet, because they've been out for a while, um, this, this book is, a, is around my journey, our journey as a church, in, in really looking at how do we bring the kingdom in a naturally supernatural way without being weird. It's got lots of stories in, some, some tools to be able to live like Jesus, basically. Uh, so I've got that. Um, that's eight pounds. I've also got an e-course around the book so some people do this in in groups some churches are doing them in small groups uh eight sessions each session has got a teaching dvd of a 20 minute teaching a workbook and a two minute activation to help you put stuff into practice so that's really good i think i mean i've not done it but (laughs) i did i did produce it and i think it was pretty pretty good going and then and then this book, uh, Leading as Sons and Daughters, is all around leadership. Uh, all of us lead, just to say, so don't discount yourself. And really, it's my journey of leading and learning that I can either lead out of insecurity or I can lead as a daughter, uh, but the fruit is very different. And so really, it's my journey of trying to learn how to lead out of my identity and, uh, again, lots of stories. So both books are £8 each, or you can get two for 15 15. And I've got a card reader, and the team will sort that out later, but uh, you're very welcome to have that if you want to. Well, let me just, let me just pray for us. Yeah, Father, we, um, we just want to say that we love you so much. We really do. We were amazed that you would choose us. We're absolutely blown away, Jesus, that you would go to the cross for us. Father, that you would send your son uh, that you would, you would, Jesus, you would go back to, back to your Father, so you could send the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we love your presence. Absolutely love your presence. And we just thank you that you're here right now. And we just, we just open our hearts to receive all that you've got for us, uh, Father. I just want to pray that you would, um, just really have your way. Uh, we give you permission, Holy Spirit, to do whatever you want to do. Why don't you just 
just say that. Just tell the Holy Spirit, tell the Father, whatever you want to do. I just want more of you. I just want more of you, God. We really do just want more of you. We're here for you, God. Doing this stuff without you doesn't make any sense at all. And so we really are here for you. And uh, I pray, Holy Spirit, that as I, as I share now, that you would really anoint uh, the words that come out of my mouth, God, that you would really, um, yeah, just be speaking to us, Father. Come and do what only you can do. We really love you, God. Amen. Well, guys, I don't know if, I don't know if you've been told what we're going to be looking at. Have you been told the rough topics? Okay, well, I changed the first one, so no, I'm kidding. It's only slightly different. Um, I, I, I just want to share a bit of my recent journey. I have, for the last few months, been saying to Jesus, uh, Jesus, I love you, and yet I hardly know you. Do you guys ever feel like that? Feel like you're so in love with Jesus, and then you have a revelation that you hardly know him? Because there's like, like, who knows Jesus? Let's be honest. I mean, he's incredible and God and I think sometimes we can kid ourselves that we think we know him and I think we're going to be very surprised when we get to heaven (laughs) but anyway I've been saying Jesus I love you I love you so much and yet I hardly know you and uh, would you show me more of yourself I want I want to know you more I want to know more of your love and uh, like really know it not just not just sing about it exuberantly but really know how much he loves me and uh, it's been interesting. The way he's answered that prayer has been somewhat surprising because one of the things he's done in answer to that prayer is to put his finger on grief and pain in my heart. <laughs> Which was not what I was expecting. Uh, particularly a deep grief around not having children. And uh, if, for those of you who don't know my story, I'm 45 and uh, I'm single, I've never been married, and I don't have children. And uh, actually, two, in two weeks' time is the anniversary of where I had to have a hysterectomy four years ago because of medical stuff going on in my body. And uh, it was an incredibly traumatic time. It was unexpected. It was the advice of the consultant that I were to have a hysterectomy, and uh, it, it really wasn't a fun time at all. It was a very, very t- difficult time. And when I look back, I can see the kindness and the hand of God all over it. He has been amazing, absolutely incredible. But the reality is that there was also a a stack of pain for me to grieve. And there still is. The thing about grief is you don't grieve once, twice, three times, and then you're done. It actually never goes away, grief, just FYI. I will, nev- I will never get to a point in my life and be like, woohoo, it's absolutely fine that I had to have a hysterectomy. How wonderful. It's always going to cause some grief in me. And actually, what's interesting is being a woman and not being able to have children is the deepest pain I've ever experienced. There's something, I don't quite, can't quite understand it, but it feels like I haven't achieved what I've been put on the earth to do. Because it's so deep-rooted in me to be a mother and to long to have children. And so I have been doing some fairly hefty grieving and dealing with disappointment and pain. And here's some things I'm learning on the journey. Number one, God is really interested in our hearts. 
God is really interested in our hearts. Proverbs 4.23 says, Above everything else, guard your heart, for all that you do flows from it. That's quite, that's quite a command. That's in Proverbs. If you want to live a wise life, above everything else, look after this. Everything you do, the stuff you say, your behavior, your, the way you respond, all flows out of here. So God is really interested in our hearts. The other thing I'm learning is the more pain I get out and I'm able to give to him, the more I'm able to receive more of his love. Pain out, love goes deeper. So that's the other thing I'm learning. And the last thing I'm learning is that God is way more comfortable with brokenness and mess than I am. He's really, really fine with mess and brokenness. And actually, what I'm learning is it's only as I really lean into the mess that I can meet him in that place. And actually, in order to be healed of the pain, I need to meet him in the mess. <laughs> we can think we're healed of loss and pain because we're pretending it's not there. <laughs> but actually, if we really want to know God and know who he really is, we need to meet him on the mountaintops and in the valleys. It's a beautiful thing, actually. And so I want to talk in this session about actually embracing grief and loss and disappointment. I was going to focus more on that, but really it's the same thing. When you're disappointed, you need to do some grieving. Um, and it's not something we talk about very often in church, but the truth is all of us experience grief and loss and disappointment. It's, it's a very normal part of life. And so... Um, that's what I want to talk about. There's a, there's a book called Emotionally Healthy Church or Emotionally Healthy Leaders. There's a series of books by a guy called Pete Scazzaro. And he says this about losses. He says, um, Stuffed down and denied, they gather in our souls like heavy stones that weigh us down. And unattended to over time, they prevent us from entering into walking freely and honestly with God and others. Let me say that again. Stuffed down and denied, they gather in our souls like heavy stones that weigh us down. Unattended to over time, they prevent us from entering into walking freely and honestly with God and with others. So ultimately, disappointment, loss, if we don't learn to grieve well, it leads to disconnection. You might feel super present and connected on the outside, but something's going on in the heart. And actually what this stuff does, loss and grief and disappointment, if we don't deal with it in a healthy way, disconnects us from God, disconnects us from others, and ultimately also disconnects us from ourselves because we don't really know where we are or what's going on in our hearts. And so this is a really key journey for us to go on. And uh, I know it's not a particularly light, jolly topic for a Saturday afternoon, but I would just say to you guys, I would say, let, let, let the vision of knowing more of God and stepping into greater freedom be your motivation for wanting to go here. There is a purpose for grieving really well, and it's freedom, and it's wholeness, and it's knowing God more, and it's knowing yourself more, and it's being connected in family more. I tell you, it's a beautiful thing to grieve and to deal with this stuff healthily. And so I want us to spend a bit of time actually learning from Mary in the scriptures. M Mary, uh, and particularly looking at a story in John 11. 
And it's interesting, it's the story that we, I think, Duncan, you mentioned it in the worship about where Lazarus dies and, and is risen again from, from the dead. But we're actually going to focus on what happens before the resurrection. And we're going to look at Jesus' interaction, particularly with Mary, because I think we can learn some beautiful things from her about how to grieve well, and also from Jesus about what the Father, how God responds to our grief, okay, and responds to us. So for those of you who don't know, Lazarus was the brother of Mary and Martha. They were all friends of Jesus, and Lazarus became sick. And so Mary and Martha sent word to Jesus and said to him, Lord, your dear, your dear friend is very sick. This is John 11. Lord, your dear friend is very sick. And I would imagine they've gone to tell Jesus because what they're expecting is, because Jesus loves Lazarus, he's going to come quickly and heal him. Don't you think? They would have known that Jesus heals. And so let's go and get Jesus because his friend Lazarus is sick. And because he loves us, he's going to come quickly and he's going to heal our brother and his friend. But what ends up actually happening is Jesus stays where he is an extra two days before going to Bethany. And in that time, Lazarus dies. Now, when you read the testimony, the scripture, it was actually Jesus' plan to wait and not go before Lazarus had died because he knew all along he was going to raise him from the dead. That's what he said to his disciples. Actually, the reason I'm not going yet is because I'm going to do something amazing and people are going to increasingly see that I'm the Messiah. So it was always Jesus' plan that he was going to wait until Lazarus had died and then he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. But who didn't know this? Mary and Martha. They didn't know this plan. And when Jesus got to Bethany, Martha came out to meet him while Mary stayed in the house. And I want us to pick up the story in John eleven twenty eight, when Martha went back to Mary. Okay, So she's just had a conversation with Jesus and she goes back to Mary and says this. Then she returned to Mary. She called Mary aside from the mourners and told her, the teacher is here and wants to see you. So Mary immediately went to him. Jesus had stayed outside the village at the place where Martha met him. When the people who were at the house consoling Mary saw her leave so hastily, they assumed she was going to Lazarus' grave to weep. So they followed her there. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you'd been here my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him? He asked them. They told him, Lord, come and see. Then Jesus wept. It's a beautiful, beautiful interaction between Mary and Jesus. And so I just want us to learn a couple of things from Mary about how do we deal with loss well, how do we grieve well. And the first thing is this, we need to run to Jesus. And we need to go to Jesus quickly. Why love is in verse 29, it tells us as soon as Mary heard Jesus was there and he wanted to see her, she immediately went to him. I find that very staggering. Because she could have had all sorts of reasons not to, not to go to Jesus because he should have come sooner, right? She could have had all sorts of reasons to be offended at him and want to stay away from him. But as soon as she, she, she knew he was there and he wanted to see her, she immediately went to him. Such a provocation because we can often do so many other things than go to Jesus. Lots of wrong ways to deal with grief and loss. Let me give you a few. 
Number one, denial. Denial is when you don't even acknowledge that you've experienced any loss at all. You just deny the whole thing. It just, you, just don't, you don't even acknowledge that you've got anything to grieve. You just flat out deny there's an issue. That's the first wrong response. Secondly, minimizing. This is a classic one that Christians do. Minimizing your pain because there's always someone worse off. There's always someone worse off. You know, this thing compared to that person, man, I've got it amazing. How amazing is God? (laughs) And of course that's true. God is amazing and he always will be amazing. But if you minimize your experience, you don't give yourself permission to grieve. And then you don't step into healing. Minimizing. Next one, avoidance. Another, another one I love. Basically, this is when you avoid any sense of your grief by doing anything, you, anything else you could possibly think of doing that means you don't have to look at it. I mean, you just think of anything, really. Uh, comfort eating, watching Netflix, hanging out with friends, cleaning. I mean, anything that means you don't have to spend any time looking at what's really going on in your heart. Serving. I was going to say leading churches, but anyway, (laughs) just chuck that out there. (laughs) Being busy on mission. All of these are good things. But you can use them to avoid. And I think the other thing that sometimes we do is, I call it hurry. But what I mean by it is, particularly as believers, we just desperately want to stay in a place of faith and rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. So come on, let's just crack on, guys. He's good. Come on. Ignore that. Woo! God's good. I mean, he is always good. He's never not going to be good. But he's also a father who's very interested in our hearts. And if your kids come to you in pain, you don't say, it's okay. I'm good. You know, you say, wow, gosh, I'm so sorry. Tell me about what's going on. What's happening? And that's what our father's like. So I think sometimes we're so keen to stay in a place of faith that we don't let ourselves sit in the pain. Whereas actually the route to faith is to walk through the pain. Otherwise it's not real faith. You're just trying hard to believe. So we've got to, first of all, go to Jesus quickly. And secondly... We've got to learn to honestly express what's in our heart and to be very honest about it. And this takes practice. So verse 32 says, When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. And I love this because Mary is gut-level honest with Jesus about what's in her heart. She fell at his feet and she said, if only. Jesus, if only only you'd done something, if only you'd come sooner. How often do we have if only questions? For me and my situation, Jesus, if only you'd answered the prayers, this would be a very different story. If only. If only you'd done something, broken in, arrived sooner. You know, all this pain could, could have been avoided, Jesus, if you'd, got to the, if you'd got to us sooner. This could have been avoided. In order for us to grieve well, we have to learn to get gut-level honest with God about what's in our heart and really go there and sit there and let ourselves really feel it. 
without brushing over it. And we don't accuse God. Mary didn't come and say, where were you? You should have been here. What were you thinking? There was no accusation in her tone, but she is really honest. If only you'd come, Jesus. If only you'd been here. This could have been so different. But we do have to practice. Because honestly, I don't meet many people who totally feel comfortable with emotion. It's very, very rare. Particularly in our nation, in Brits, if you are, if you are British. We have got so much to learn from other cultures about learning to grieve. So much to learn. Because we're just not very good at it. And that would be my journey. I was emotionally shut down for many years. I never learnt about emotions from my upbringing, from my parents. My parents were amazing, but they just could not teach me about emotions. So I've been on a journey with Jesus for many, many years. Because I wanted my heart to feel like his does. And he is not shut down emotionally at all. <laughs> Jesus feels very deeply. And I want to be like him. And so I've been on a journey for many, many years, and Jesus has done a beautiful work in my heart in unlocking some emotion in me. I think often in the church, we're doing our best actually to stay strong and hold it all together and just present. Sometimes we take ourselves off to do our processing and grieving and pain, and then we come back and we're like, ta-da! I'm shiny and happy and I'm wonderful. I mean, I think it's... I would love to ask the question, where did we learn that we have to stay strong? Like genuinely, where did we learn that? I don't think that's what Jesus says. I think he says, when you're weak, I'm strong. So where have we learned this weird thing that we have to stay strong? Emotions are somehow bad. It's not okay to be a mess. We have to keep everything together. I just don't think that's what Jesus says at all. I think it says in the word that he's coming for people who are broken. <laughs> and we're all broken. It's just some of us are more aware of our brokenness. And I think there can be a lot of shame associated with expressing emotion or being seen to fall apart. But that's not what Jesus thinks or says about everything. He's really okay with mess. And uh, I think there's some truths it's important for us to be aware of us as we're on this journey. First is that Jesus is not ashamed or indifferent about our emotions. Actually, he's given us emotion as a gift. Emotions are a gift to us. We're not to be ruled by our emotions. We're equally not to shut them down. They are a gift. And what I love about this story with Jesus and Mary is that you see Jesus enter into the pain and I find it absolutely staggering because he knew he was about to raise Lazarus from the dead. I find it absolutely mind-blowing that Jesus wept. <laughs> Honestly, because he could have said, don't worry, guys. I'm going to do a miracle. The resurrection's coming. Stop crying. It's going to be okay. I've got a plan. But he doesn't say that. He weeps with them. Is that what we're like with people? Do we weep with people? Or are we trying to make them feel better? Because actually we're freaked out by their emotion. Jesus entered into the pain. And he could say the same to us, guys, don't worry. I've got a plan. Resurrection's coming. He could say to me, Wendy, don't worry. 
one day, this won't matter anymore. It's all going to be redeemed. Resurrection's coming. But he doesn't. He weeps with me. He enters into my pain. And he weeps with me. And the other thing that's important for us to be aware of is that unless we really express honestly the pain that's in our heart and let ourselves be a mess, we can't meet with God in the place that we really need to meet him. <laughs> Do you know what? In order to step fully into freedom, you've got to show him your whole heart. In order to really get to know what God is like when you're a complete and utter mess, you've got to become a complete and utter mess, and then you get to know what God's like. Does this make sense? All the time we're hiding stuff, trying to keep ourselves a certain way. We get to connect with God on a certain level, but there's massive parts of our heart that are not connecting with him because we're not really being honest. Something amazing when you get to meet with God in the mess. You realize he really is who he says he is. And he really is the redeemer. And he really can bring healing. But all he's been waiting for all along is for us to just give him everything. <laughs> and when we talk about surrendering to God, yes, it's all about money, gifting, life. But you know what? I think most of all it's about our heart. If you want to really surrender to God, he's mostly interested in your heart. Someone was preaching at King's Arms of the day and talking about wanting to be wholehearted for Jesus. Don't you want that? I thought to myself afterwards, it's very difficult to be wholehearted if your heart isn't whole. <laughs> if you're trying to hide bits, you can't be wholeheartedly surrendered to him because you're not giving him everything. It's like if you had a physical cut on your arm and it was infected and you went to the nurse and you covered up the infection and just showed her the other bit or him the other bit, said, could you clean this out for me? I'm doing fine, but it just needs a bit of TLC. And they didn't see the infected bit, but they cleaned out the other bit and just whacked something over it. What's going to happen to that wound? It's going to stay really, really bad. It's often what we do with our hearts. We show a little bit. We keep a lot of it hidden. Like, Jesus, could you heal me? Here's the bit I'm showing you. What needs to happen is they need to see the whole wound. And they need to clear out the infection, right? And then seal it up. And to clear out the infection, that hurts, doesn't it? That's a painful process. But it's less painful in the long run. And it heals better. It's the same deal with your heart. The other thing I think is important for us to learn is it's really powerful and much deeper and richer if we grieve in community and in family. Jesus wept with the mourners. They were, they were mourning together. We're so independent and individualistic in this nation. And I would count myself in that. And I'm on a journey of learning about grieving with people. And it's jolly uncomfortable <laughs> for me. I, was, I, was, I had some, a couple over recently who live in Switzerland who are, who are like spiritual kids to me, a, a spiritual son, spiritual daughter. And... Uh, I, uh, I had been reading a book about a girl who was grieving the loss of her mum. And it was Mother's Day, and she was sitting on the bathroom floor grieving the loss of her mum. And the Holy Spirit said to her, I love that I can comfort you, but your friend is in the next room, and I'm sure she'd love to sit with you while you're grieving. 
And she had this wrestle with God. Anyway, she did eventually go to her friend. So I just read this book. These two, two guys are in my house. And I know I just need to go and do some grieving again about not having kids. So I said to them, I'm just going to go upstairs. I'm just going to do some processing. Whacked up the music so that I could cover my sobs. And then I just sobbed upstairs. And at one point, the Holy Spirit said to me, you know, you've got two people downstairs who really love you. You could go and grieve with them and have them sit with you. And I was like, I really don't want to do that. <laughs> I really don't want to do that. But I knew God was speaking to me about it. And so I did. Before cleaning myself up, I went and I said, guys, could you sit with me and just pray with me? And they were lovely. And they'd said, we heard you cry. We wanted to come up. We didn't know what to do. And so I just knelt on the floor and they sat one, one either side of me and they just put their hands on my back and I sobbed with them, with Jesus. And it was incredibly powerful. Very uncomfortable, but actually quite healing. Because usually I take myself off to sort myself out with the Lord before I present something different to the people. I was also um, speaking in another nation recently, doing a similar kind of session. And at the end of the session, I, again, I thought, I just need to do some more grieving. Handed the microphone to the person in charge and said, can you take charge now? And again, I just knelt down at the front of the room and just wept. And I was the loudest crier in the room. It's pretty awkward. It was Germany, actually. They're not prone to showing emotion. Um, and I could have stopped it. You know, there's moments when you're just in mid-weep and you're like, oh, what are people thinking about this? You can still think that stuff. Um, but I just knew I had to just let God do what he wanted to do. And uh, what was interesting, the atmosphere the next day in the room was entirely different. Like, so much more freedom in the room. So much more freedom. And I, I just, I'm just learning that as a leader... When I, there's a big difference between me saying, you are free to be a mess in this room. It's a really safe place to be a mess. That's one level of permission. Permission goes to a whole new level when, as a leader, I choose to be a mess in the room. <laughs> but I've said it's a safe place to be a mess. Just saying that for the leaders in the room. So let's get super practical, and then I'm going to pray. We haven't got much time. How do we do this? It's really like writing a psalm. A third of the psalms are lamenting psalms. And so uh, David really doesn't hold back. You look at Psalm 31, verse 9. Have mercy on me, Lord. I am in distress. In, in distress. Tears blur my eyes. My body and soul is withering away. I am dying from grief. My years are shortened by sadness. I mean, he's really not holding back. And so we've got to practice getting gut level honest with God about how we're feeling you might say it out loud you might need to write it down you might want to write a song you might want to play an instrument anything that helps you to connect with what's really going on in your heart without filtering it and trying to make it more acceptable to God because he already knows and he wants to hear from your heart the end of that psalm ends in worship Lots of them do. 
So this is the cycle of processing loss and disappointment and grief. Completely honest with God. Sometimes there's just tears, there's no words, you just sob. That's fine. Completely honest with God. Come back to worship. That's the cycle. What we tend to do is try and just stay in a place of trust and faith without walking through the pain. You've got to get gut level honest with God and then you come back to worship when you feel broken and raw. And it's the most precious offering to him because it's the only, we'll only get to do that this side of heaven, worship through the pain. Because when we're in heaven, there'll be no more pain. And I think the Father loves a broken and contrite spirit. There's something very precious to worship him through pain and in pain. And so that's really the cycle we go through. And I'll just leave you with this before we pray. Mary's story does end with a a resurrection. Her brother does come back from the dead. And, you know, we are going to experience loss in life. But we can trust that we follow a father and and a savior who redeems. And I would say your area of biggest loss could become your area of greatest influence if you let Jesus really heal you. So my biggest loss has been not having children. I would say the biggest thing I am called to is still to be a mother. It just looks different. I feel very strongly about that. But if I don't deal with my grief and pain, I can't fully step into that calling. So actually the biggest areas of loss can become our biggest spaces of influence if we let God in. Why don't we stand together? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I just want to encourage you just to look at Jesus. And Father, I just want to thank you for your presence. And uh, Jesus, thank you for what you show us in that story about how you respond to grief, how you respond to our grief, our losses. And I want to pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd really put your, put your finger on any disappointment or loss or grief that we're carrying at the moment that you just want to come and meet with us in. Just come show us, Father. Come and show us. Come and show us, God. Thank you, Papa. I just want to encourage you as the Holy Spirit puts his finger on stuff, not to think, oh, that's nothing really, or that's really small, or in comparison to that, it's really nothing. Just forget all of that. Just listen to the Holy Spirit. Trust his leading. And here's what I want us to do. I'm going to, I just want to, I'm trying to be led by the Spirit in this. What I, want, what I want us to do actually is, if you know that the Father is putting his finger on something for you, I actually want you to be super brave and come towards the front because I want us to have a family moment together. And so 
I just want to encourage you to do that. Just wherever you are, just don't second guess it or question yourself. If you know the Holy Spirit's put his finger on something, I just want you to come to the front. And I think there'll be lots of you. So I'm just going to wait. Just come up right to the front if you know that's you. And you, you can either stand or you might want to kneel down. You might want to kneel down on the floor, whatever you feel. I just want us to take a step, okay? Thank you, Father. Just stand wherever you are, wherever you are. If you can get a space, come on to the front. Well done, guys. Keep coming. If you feel like you want to kneel down in response to Jesus, you totally can. If you want to stand, that's totally fine. Whatever you want to do, just to come to him. This is you coming to the Father, okay? And you don't have to whip anything up. Do you know what I mean? If you don't feel any emotion, don't panic. Also, I want to encourage you to let the Father do whatever he wants to do, okay? So I just, I just, well done for being so brave. Well done. The thing about grief and ex- expressing the stuff is everyone does it differently. There is no one, one way, Okay. If you, can, if you see someone at the front who you know, who you just want to come and stand with or sit with, just put a hand on their shoulder. Even if you don't know them, I just want us to surround these guys, okay? So, so that they're not on their own. Come on, guys, just don't be, don't be slow. Come up quickly. Let's just gather around our brothers and sisters. Just make sure they know they've got someone here. Thank you, Papa. Father, I just want to thank you that you are so full of grace and kindness towards us. And I just want to pray for my brothers and sisters, Papa, that you would draw so close and that you'd start to unlock grief. Just let him come to you. Unlock grief, God. There's still some people who haven't got people around them, if you're free, just to come and stand with someone. You don't have to know what to do. You don't, have to, you don't have to know what to do. Just come stand with someone. Just stand with them. Come, Holy Spirit. We just pray for an unlocking of grief right now. Just you, If you feel like you want to start speaking to the Father, just like Mary did, God, if only. If only. Whoa. If only. If only, God. If only, Jesus. It could have been so different. Could have, it could be so different, God, if only. Just start telling him. Start telling him, guys. <sighs> Some of you, you just, you're just going to feel tears, and you just need to go with it. You just need to go there, okay? Don't, don't be polite Christian tears. Just let the Father come and go deep. Papa, I just want to pray that you would unlock grief. Come, Holy Spirit. Unlock it, God. Unlock the pain, God. Unlock it, Jesus. There is no shame in feeling what you're feeling right now. This is the process towards healing. This is where your heart gets whole. This is where you come to the Father and he's able to break in and bring freedom. More, God. Just more. More. Just keep expressing your heart to him. Unlock it. God, I want to pray you'd go to the deepest place of pain. God, I want to pray that you'd go deep down beneath the surface level pain and that you'd go to the deepest place. You know, some of you, the enemy has lied to you and said, if you unlock this, you will never get out of it. 
Some of you have kept a lid on your pain because you've believed the lie. If I go here, I am going to get stuck. That's the lie from the enemy because when you go there, that's when you step into freedom. And so if that's you, just repent. Say, Father, I'm sorry I believed that lie. And I just pray right now for you for freedom to really go there. Some of you have been carrying this pain for years and years and years and years and years and years. Some of you have expressed it before and you've thought, I should be over this by now. And you've felt shame about not being through it. And the Father just wants to release you from that right now. He has no expectation of you being through something. It's not what he's like. Unlock it, Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Is it possible to just stick some music on? Just something gentle, maybe in the background. Or you can play keys, yeah, if you don't mind. That'd be awesome. Thank you. Just to help us express more, God. <sighs> Unlock the pain, Jesus. Doesn't need to be much, guys. Just, just a little something in the background. More, God. More. Just keep telling him. If you need to say something to the Father, feel free to do that. Just keep inviting him to come and unlock the pain. You need to know the Father weeping with you right now. He's not indifferent about your pain. He's not standing at a distance, hurrying you up. He's so patient. He's so patient. cry but you're struggling to connect and I just want to encourage you don't panic God knows what he's doing God knows what he's doing just keep coming to him and saying Father I give you my heart I give you my heart more God more God just keep keep receiving come Holy Spirit teach us how to come like children
Keep coming, Holy Spirit. Just keep receiving. Just keep receiving. If you if you're sat in the seat and not particularly receiving, just I just encourage you. Just keep enjoying Jesus. Just keep receiving from Him. You might not have any idea what He's doing, but whenever we meet with God and receive from Him, it's good. Freedom, 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 Ooh, freedom, <laughs> freedom. 